This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Good morning, good morning. This is 101.95 FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show, and we're very excited to be together with you for this hour. Good morning, Faye. Good morning, Adel. Very excited. Thank you. Today, we are going to pick up a little bit of where we left off a couple of podcasts ago, and you, as always, you are most welcome to go and listen to our past recordings. You just go to the Chai FM website and press on podcast, look for our show, and everything we've said um, is recorded, but we had a wonderful lady on. I think she's coming on for the third time now, Charmaine Barr. She is a qualified physiotherapist and craniosacral therapist with a special interest in chronic pain for the past 20 years. She spent a year working for the NHS in the UK, and on her return, she she decided to dedicate her professional life to understanding chronic and emotional pain. At a practice in Centerwood, she treats mainly chronic, recurring back and neck pain, headaches, trauma, alignments issue, birth traumas, anxiety, concussions, amongst many, many, many more. Faye and I are both uh, great followers and um, have had her healing hands upon us and we've really seen incredible results. Just um, the last time we had Charmaine on, we spoke about the concept of fascia, which we're going to rehash a little bit now to remind all of you. If you've heard us before, if not, well, this is going to be new information for you. And then to understand how fascia comes up in a, in, in, in stress, in anxiety, and a whole lot of stuff that has come post-COVID. So with no further ado, good morning, Charmaine. Good morning, Adel and Fagy, and thank you so much for inviting me to come and talk to you again. It's always such a pleasure. You know, the three of us, we can talk, we can talk like the, the hind legs off a donkey. We can go on for it. Well, thank you. That is example also, Charmaine. Go ahead. Talk about the don't wear land. to talk about those that are normal. Okay. So let, let's, let's, let's just take one or two steps back and just help our listeners understand what is fascia because I didn't understand anything until I met a craniosacral therapist. Yes, yes. Thank you, Adel. And I think the subject or the topic of fascia is so close to my heart because it just seems to be coming up more and more these days. And I'm hopefully we're going to touch on it or do more than touch on it just with long COVID and all those symptoms that, you know, and those um, that's happened since COVID. So in a nutshell, fascia is really your connective tissue. So um, you know, a lot of us will know it as maybe the sinew when you eat meat. And um, those of us that eat meat will know that um, specifically if you take a cut like fillet, for example, there's that, that, that it's almost like silver. It's got a shiny texture to it. It's obviously not the fat. And then when you look at steak or anything like that, you get, you see that white tissue that, that almost marbles the meat in some cases. Um And the interesting thing about it is certainly when I was studying a good few years ago um, and we were dissecting or or, um, working on the bodies and having a look at at anatomy, you know, I don't think we, or not I don't think, I know we didn't appreciate the importance of this tissue. And it's literally everywhere. And it hangs off the nervous system. And it 
goes around the muscles, in between the muscles. It's around all our organs. It's also just under our skin. And I'm going to spend a moment just speaking about that one, the superficial fascia as well. And essentially, this tissue is consists of layers of of connective tissue or fascia. And um, I used to compare it to phyllo pastry, but now I, I heard somebody say it's like a baklava, and I love that. Because, in fact, as we've realized the importance of this, this tissue, more and more research has actually been conducted, you know, and people are like, you know, we used to just almost like think, oh, that's just the old fascia. Let's move on to more interesting things. But now we know what is going on there in this this wet jungle. So basically, layers of tissue, and in between these layers are little sensory cells. So recently found muscle cells floating about there and, and receptors. Now, what is interesting is that this tissue is everywhere, and there's a good reason for that. It's almost like there are, you know, we know that we've got the brain and we've got the spinal cord and we've got the nerves that go all over the place, but this tissue is another, it's almost like another layer of that incredible nervous system. And it literally allows or literally enables the brain to almost like um, gauge the temperature of the body, if I can put it to you that way. So could when you, we could you, use the analogy the, that, could you use the analogy that the fascia is like the glad wrap around oh, the organs and the glad wrap? Oh, I love baklava, oh. but very sweet of sugar, you know. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And someone listened during her session. It's like, does, it, does it almost like connect the one muscle with the other? Does it send signals from the one place to the other? Totally. totally. So, so that's it. It's like the glad wrap of the body. And it's because it's inside the body, we, we're not that aware of it. So, and you know what happens to glad wrap? When you happen to, you've, you've measured your little piece and you've got it and you're going to put it over your salad or your dessert or whatever. And then it gets stuck together. Oh, and now we're in trouble because it's quite difficult to unstick it. And this glad wrap or baklava, whichever one you prefer, <laughs> it doesn't stretch well. It's not like muscle fibrils. It needs to glide. Those little layers of pastry need to glide. And the syrup, that's why I, the baklava oh, thing works. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's going to be baklava whether you like it or not. Okay. <laughs> but the syrup enables the glide. Now, what happens with trauma? Okay, so very recently they've discovered a protein which is released by the brainstem. And this protein, when there's a real or perceived threat, this is very important. Stress doesn't need to be real for us to believe in it. Am I right? So if there's a real or perceived threat, this protein is released into the cerebrospinal fluid and that tensions the fascia and we now believe that then tightens the muscle fibrils and gets the muscle ready for action because remember when the survival brain kicks in it's either fight or flee those are the two fundamental things that we for thousands of years have used to get away from danger and um you know so there are three others if you want me to go into that there's freeze there's float and fawn so essentially those are our mechanisms to stay safe because it's all about staying safe, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's all about survival. So this tissue gets tighter. Now that now the baklava is a little bit compressed. And every time we experience um either tension, trauma, 
whatever whatever the stresses may be, it gets tighter and tighter and tighter. And if we don't release that tension, we end up with a baklava that doesn't look like a baklava anymore, Fagin. <laughs> it looks like a piece of very, very compressed pastry. Okay. And, and I think, so this is kind of like bringing us to the whole long COVID or a lot of people's symptoms post COVID, which we can chat about in a moment. We're talking to Charmaine Bar. She is a craniosacral specialist and deals a lot with this baklava type glad wrap that we have inside of us. Is that a good, um, (laughs) called the fascia? Really, really fascinating. And uh, we're going to be back very, very soon, just after this break. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Welcome back. We're talking to Charmaine Ball. We're talking about the fascia. And so now that we understand that we kind of are, I guess, encompassed by this fascia in every part of our body and that yes. stress triggers that fascia to either, what, harden or just tense up, that many, many times we actually can't get past any other further rehabilitation physically or emotionally because your what is your fascia has got a memory of the trauma and it's just holding you there in like a, a compressed state. Is that a good description? Couldn't have put it better myself. <laughs> yes, exactly right. And and that's the point. So if we look at animals, um and you know a very good description would be a herd of springbuck, for example. When there's a predator, usually a lion or whatever the case is, chasing them, they, this, you know, everything tenses up and they run for their lives. They're never going to turn around and fight. It's unlikely, but those muscles that are involved in, in locomotion are triggered and they run for their lives. Now, somewhere along the line, the youngest or the oldest or the most infirm, that little springbok is going to get caught. The rest of the herd run away, not very far, interestingly enough. And once they feel like they're out of danger, they start tremoring. Very interesting. And what they're doing there is they're releasing whatever is held in that tissue. Remember, all of that. So the fascia is tightened to enable the muscle to work properly. And this um, this particular protein has been released. They then release the tightness in the fascia, and then they graze. And they graze eat because that stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system. So our sympathetic nervous system is our fight or flight. They engage that and they're actually quite okay. They they carry on to run another day or, you know, fight another day. Would you explain, Charmaine, and someone has like an accident, they felt they fall off a bike like my brother did a couple of weeks ago. They've grazed themselves, they've hurt themselves, they've hurt a knee, an ankle, whatever the situation is, and at night they, they almost like get like release that trauma and their body starts shivering. Is that almost a, the same thing that's happening? Yes, yes, Faggy. I think, you know, a, a lot of our understanding has had to shift. You know, um, people would often, you know, you see it a lot at accident scenes where people go into shock and they start shaking uncontrollably. Now, We've always said, oh, keep them warm, keep, them, which is completely right. Please, I'm not, I'm not, um, interfering there at all. But what we now realize is that a lot of our mechanisms of maybe releasing the trauma has become a bit socially unacceptable. You know, so as, as we become more and more civilized and more and more in control and, you know, urbanized and all the rest of it, we just hold it all in. 
and we hold it all in and we've got to be responsible and we've got to, do you know what I mean? And that kind of mindset is producing a lot of embodiment of trauma. And it's part of the fascia. Yes, absolutely. And then you don't, you end up with neck ache, you end up yes, with back chronic, ache, chronic up, pain, or chronic pain, or something just simply because you're holding it. I've, um, we were talking this morning because I did have a wonderful session with Charmaine, and one of the things was interesting is that she was trying to elicit that that trembling, right? That 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 shaking, and yeah. I could feel it coming on. And I said to her, my cognitive mind is saying. Tighten your muscles and hold it in. And she said, no, it's counterintuitive. That's a let it go. Just let it go. And when I did let it go, I started like actually shaking even more mm. because it was a trauma that was brought up that just actually needed to dissipate, like it needed to come right. out of the system. It was actually a very, very interesting experience. So if, if we look at that, what are you seeing now in the post-COVID world, right? Because one mm. of the we were discussing this morning is that COVID was there undeniably. The virus was there. People did die, et cetera, et cetera. But there was a major fear factor um, behind it. And I think to for, for whoever got it, whatever like that, when you got it, you actually thought you were just simply going to die because there was just so much fear around Absolutely. it. Not that, 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 you know, it did kill, um, it did kill people, et cetera. But, I think the fear overplayed it and made it exponential, you know, to, to the 25th. And we so the emotional side of it is still like trapped. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, COVID in many ways has really, COVID has been fascinating. I think even as a, a social, you know, if you just look at all the different aspects of, of humanity, um, because we were literally told you cannot leave your house. So there goes all the people with too much adrenaline that normally run a thousand miles type of thing. And they have to be active and they have to do sport, which is a wonderful thing. But when you're stuck in chronic alarm, you have far too much adrenaline in your system and you need an outlet. Okay. When you're stuck, which is sympathetic, when you're in chronic shock, you usually have a lot less adrenaline and you have shut down a little bit, you're, you're, you're always cold, your blood pressure is normally a little bit lower. Um, point being that we were all, uh, I like to use the analogy, somebody once said to me, we're all in the same storm between different boats. And that what, that's exactly what happened in COVID. We, we took millions and millions of people that were already in different stages of healing or of disease. And we put them almost in a, a in a little what do we call those those petri dishes, and um and we were just told to stay put, you know, and and that has created very interesting scenarios that um I think all the the doctors and the specialists will agree with because we've seen some interesting um symptoms coming coming to the fore. So in my experience, and I can't prove this, but I have noticed that since COVID. There's a lot more rigidity in people's systems, a lot more. This fascia we're talking about, this baklava cling wrap, is rigid. It's not well hydrated. It feels hard. There's not a lovely give in it. Okay, and I'm going to go into what that could mean for you. I've also noticed that the actual perfusion is a lot less, you know, and, and specifically the cerebrospinal fluid. But... It's, it's like everything just slowed down a little bit. You know, we had to slow down, but it was like our systems also slowed down. Um, you know, and then you add fear and uncertainty to that 
scenario. And it's, it's, it's really quite an interesting, it's a bit of a recipe for disaster, you know, because, um, we know what fear does. Um, you know, as an emotion, we know we emotional beings and whether the fear is real or not actually doesn't matter to the body. It's our perception and it becomes again an embodied feeling. And so many, I know all the moms out there will, will definitely tell you. And I'm, I wish that I had to homeschool and I realized there was a reason I didn't become a teacher. <laughs> I love my patients, but I have very little patience with my children. <laughs> no, that's not true when it comes to, to, to um, schoolwork. But, um, you know, they will also tell you that, you know, these children, when you are in that unnatural situation, your survival brain will always trump your learning brain. Always. Because it doesn't help if you can do maths and you get munched by a line. It's immaterial. Do you know what I mean? So, and, and that whole, you know, and the fear fed into, literally fed into the survival brain. And today we are seeing an incredible spike in, um, anxiety amongst children and off the charts. Well, just is, is anxiety the only thing that you've seen? Just give us examples no. of what you've seen in your practice that you yes. see now, you know, as things that you, you you didn't see before COVID. That totally, totally. And and again, this is my experience, you know, this is only my experience, but I have been doing this for about more than twenty five years. So since COVID, I've seen an incredible increase in what we call the foggy brain. You know, people that just their memories just Aren't what they used to be. And it's irrespective of age. Age here makes absolutely no difference, which is very interesting to all these symptoms as far as I'm concerned. So your foggy brain, your general, almost like fibromyalgic type of body aches, but doesn't really fit this picture, you know. Um, and also interestingly enough, um, incredible spike in headaches. Headaches. And the, the headaches and the tension. Do you see that in children also? Or are you seeing it a lot in, in adults? I'm seeing it in children as well. I am. And it's it's really worrying because Jen, I know when I studied, um, you know, when you when you spoke about headaches or when you learned about headaches, they very seldom even mentioned children unless maybe the child had a severe concussion, you know, unless there was a specific reason. You know, generally speaking, children shouldn't really experience headaches on an ongoing basis, you know. Um, and I'm seeing more and more of that. And and it's unexplained. You know, you, you when I do the history, you'd say, have you have you knocked your head? Has this happened? Has that happened? And it's always not really. No, no, absolutely. No, you it's know. It's an anxiety that's creating those headaches. Could be the TMJ, could be the teeth grinding Yes, absolutely. So that's the other thing I'm seeing a lot of, a lot of facial or, or actual jaw pain. The other thing that I am seeing quite a bit of is fainting. Hmm. Unbelievable. Unexplained fainting and unexplained seizures. When I say unex, yeah. And when I say unexplained, I mean, there's no history maybe of low blood pressure or, or any of this pre-COVID. And the seizures are particularly worrying, as you can imagine. And a lot of these people end up going to hospital and having all the tests and the cardiologist and the neurologist and they're like, everything's actually fine, you know? Um, and I'm going to get back to that in a second. I'm also seeing or hearing a lot about um, heart attacks that aren't heart attacks where there's no referral down the left arm and there's actually 
the heart's absolutely fine. You know, the cardiologist will give them a clean bill of health. And again, what I think is happening, and I must stress this is my opinion and a few other people's opinion, is that this fascia, that remember it's everywhere, and it's very, it's particularly prevalent in the viscera, which means around the organs. So it keeps our organs in position. Because remember, gravity is constantly, depending on your position, of course, but those organs have to be kept in position. So, and if you think about your heart and your, and your rib cage and breathing, what does breathing do to us? Oh, sorry, what, what does fear do? It changes our breathing pattern, doesn't it? Every single time. Me. There's lots of times where I've realized I've just held my breath because you sit there, yeah. like you're anticipating something and you're just waiting for it. And what do you do? Stop breathing. Yes. You actually, what do they say in the literature? He held his breath. Well, you know what I mean? It's People will say, take a deep breath, you know, so... Our breathing patterns have changed. We were also not as active. And then add to this, 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 the fear, the fear factor again, um, the change in nervous systems where we, where we, a lot of us have become much more sympathetically innovated or more parasympathetic. The point is that we haven't gone back to zero. You know what I mean? We, we haven't, um, the, the autonomic nervous system has lost that, that pliability. We've gotten very stuck in survival or in shock. So that then, and and all of these factors together, as well as the COVID virus, seems to have made this fascia that's everywhere restrictive. Now, what happens then? So now it's squeezing out the syrup, squeezing out a lot of the nuts too, by the way. So now we have this compact. Oh, we just become nuts. The filling wrap has gotten even tighter, exactly. So we've got this, and it's around the heart, and it's around the lungs. Now, if you have someone, and we've seen this particularly, this couch potatoes are safe as houses. This is unlikely to happen in a couch potato. But people that are really fit and were super fit before the time, and they were in their garages doing their their thing, and they're like, right, now I'm ready to do my my, my two oceans or my 94.7 or whatever it is. They have then experienced these e- extreme pain in the heart area. And the reason could be because of the resistance to the beating of the heart. So the fitness levels are there and the heart is fine. But the tissue now around that heart is much more restrictive. Wow. And yes, so it's quite interesting. Again, this is my, my experience. Um, and the good news is these people seldom have heart attacks, but the pain is intense. Um, so these are some of the very interesting um, symptoms I'm seeing. You know, um, the other thing is a lot of gastrointestinal issues where people will say, it's not the food I'm eating. You know, they say, this is what I eat. And I mean, honestly, I, I would be very happy if I could eat half of what these people are eating. It's unbelievable. And yet they're bloating. You know, they, they're bloating and they, and they cannot understand it. I mean, the one person said to me, I, I'm, I'm this close to living on water and almond flour. I cannot take anything more out of my diet and I'm still bloating. So again, a possible, um, reason for that could be that the environment around the digestive system has actually changed. Everything's become tighter and less um, uh, um, less giving and forgiving, I can actually say. And, and that lubrication, I think 
a lot of a lot of people, especially maybe women who've had children, might say that they're also getting up to urinate quite a lot during the evening. And then you say, okay, I'm not going to drink water after a certain time. And to his Bob, you still have to get up. So, you know, the bladder is a little squashed balloon. And if the tissue around the bladder is actually really rigid, it, it also can't expand the way it used to be able to expand pre, you know, pre-COVID. And then also you're drinking this fluid, but how much is actually being absorbed? Which is so interesting. Thing. So, so there's all of these, all the, all of these symptoms that you are seeing. Yes. How, how do, how do we get our, our way out of it? Is it, is the, is the only way to go see a cranial spe- specialist like yourself or like others that are in the thing and to Basically speaking, can we, can we like exercise the fascia? Can we like make it stretch and go bigger on our own at home? Is it something that's exercisable? Yes, it is. It is. It's, it's not so much exercisable and this is the problem. So this is where exercise, so exercise definitely helps. Let me, let me put that out there because in a lot of these people that present with these symptoms, they'll often say, Oh, and I've stopped doing this or I've stopped doing that. But exercise on its own, normal cardiac aerobic exercise isn't, it's an, it's enough to to get it moving, but it's not enough to release it. Because, you know, we, we work in a lot with muscles, yeah, and specific muscle groups. So the types of things that you should really consider doing if you, you know, if the listeners think, goodness, this is, this is me in a nutshell, is yoga. I always say yoga is absolutely amazing. More your, um, I'd say any yoga, let me put it to you this way, any yoga, but if you can be fussy, your, your yin yoga, your, your very, where you're holding positions where the fascia actually has to almost like melt and change, you know, um, that is absolutely excellent. Anything like that, breathing, unbelievable. You know, people need to breathe properly. And, you know, so, so anything involving proper breathing, whether it be in meditation, in your yoga practice, anything like that. Um, and then of course, I know you've had Haley on TRE, absolutely amazing for that. Just really getting that movement in that tissue that's held that trauma for so long, um, is amazing. It's not a quick process, but it's an incredibly satisfying process. Um, Yes, the cranial would, would be unbelievable. There's also, if you actually even Google fascia, you might find quite a lot online, which is very exciting. You know, very specific um, um, people are actually out there now, and they say, try this, you know, try this fascial stretch, try this. And, yeah, so that's definitely something the listeners can look at. Absolutely interesting. We're speaking to Charmaine Barr, and she is a cranial specialist, but really looking at at a person holistically and understanding the stresses around uh, around the body. And um, just as a quick reminder, Faggy and I run a WhatsApp group where we drop just like a little thought every single day to help you learn to become more healthy and take become charge of your health. If you'd like to join that, you can send an email to info at chiafeb.com. Give us your name and your number, and we'll gladly join you on. It's not spammed. It's only admin run. You can keep it on silent, and whenever you feel like a bit of motivation, hopefully every day you will make use of that. This is 101.9 High FM. 
This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosulski and Fagy Stern. Welcome back, and we're talking all things fascia. One of the things, Charmaine, that does come to mind is that, you know, while we are talking about the post-COVID world, and undeniably, I think that all of us were in flight, fright, freeze mode. You know, we lived like that for a, for a very long time with a lot of anxiety, even the most resilient of us. There are other times that you know, the fascia do get stuck. And I know that, um, you know, you've been involved personally in helping, for example, um, a, a, a prem, a prem baby that was again brought into this world in shock, right? When, mm. when baby is yet out of the mother's stomach in, a, in, in, in a, in an emergency way. And then, you know, getting stuck, there's trauma stored there. And then many, many times, you know, you'll look at the baby and you'll say, he's so fussy or he's got reflux. And instead of going for the medication, what really was needed was, in fact, some releasing of the fascia and of that memory of I need to survive now because I'm in the wrong place, in the wrong time, in the place, you know, this is not where I should be at 36 weeks or 31 weeks or, or whatever have you. Can, can we talk ar- around that a little bit? Because when people actually recognize it, 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 it changes the way we, we do things with ourselves, with our children, you know, with our families. Absolutely, Adel. And I've recently, it's been so gratifying. I've recently had a, a spate of beautiful little babies come to me um, where I've actually treated the moms and maybe the older siblings and just explained to them about the birth process. And, and that's what they do. They're like, here's my baby. Please, you know, have a look. And it's just so amazing because, um, as we know, you know, um, or oh, babies are extremely susceptible to trauma, as you can imagine, because the, in fact, the, the actual natural birth pr- process is, your your sympathetic nervous system is stimulated because this baby now has to fight its way out of the womb. So obviously the womb assists and and kind of almost like a face cloth squeezes the baby out and the baby initiates its own labor in an ideal world. But, um, you know, when this process is affected in any way, we can have problems. And um, just to, and I've spoken about this before, but it might just be interesting to re, you know, go over it again, but, so um in the past a lot of the natural born babies were actually a lot of a lot of us were actually forceps or suction you know our birth process because of the fact that our moms were lying on their backs and that decreases the actual um um opening by 30% so um you know so that in the first place people will often come to me with migraines or whatever and say tinnitus Oh, but I was a natural birth and I'm like, lovely. But then the more you go into it and you actually feel the pattern in the skull. So those little bones are very, very soft. And we all know that we've got the little, the two little fontanelles and we know how sensitive those little heads are, don't we? You know, when you've held your baby and you've got to be so careful. And those little bones are meant to go over each other in the natural birth process. So they go over each other and there's already a squeeze happening in that whole system. Kickstarts cerebrospinal fluid and also kickstarts a little vomer bone that's right at the back of our throats there. And that helps with latching. Okay. So this is really important. So 
when your baby doesn't have a good latch, and, and I mean, it, it happens. We all know that breastfeeding can sometimes be very challenging, but when that latch is not really there, we must look at why. So you look at the birth process. It's very helpful. So if there's been any instrumentation and look, it saves lives. There's no judgment. It's just good to understand what, what it can mean for the baby. So if there's specifically suction, you're looking at a, um, a negative pressure that's tried to pull the baby out and that has pulled your cranial bones as well as the entire system in that direction. So that poor little boma gets stuck and you get those very, very high pellets. And I think a lot of parents are aware of that because, you know, those tiny little mouths that obviously have to have orthodontic work. Um, but for, for, for the, for the sake of this conversation, that is the latching that gets affected because the babies just actually can't close their little mouths and get a lock and a strong enough suction. Uh, which is ironic because it might have been suction that caused the problem. Then I can just imagine people saying, what about Caesar? So Caesar babies, there's, that's not the specific problem. But in, in elective Caesars, we have a child that is not ready to be born. And this is really, really important. So in your, um, your emergency Caesars, it can often be better for the baby. Obviously, I'm talking generally. The emergency is emergency, so that's not good. But if the baby's already initiated labor, that, that, that fight or flight is there and it's ready to come out. So when it comes out, there's not as much shock in its system. Okay. A lot of your elective Caesar babies are people will say, Oh, so good, so quiet and so beautiful <laughs> and so shocked, sadly, <laughs> because that whole system it's it's like getting the bends. You know, you're in this beautiful, perfect environment of the mother's uterus, and it just suddenly gets opened up. Again, fascia gets cut for the mother, and there's this complete decompression for the child. So that takes that child into shock. So those... Babies it's certainly of, not when the baby initiates it, but you have an emergency seizure because your water's broke or there's a complication or whatever have you. And they go, don't pause, go, no collect 100, straight into the theater, out comes the baby, out comes in a, you know, into a foreign environment. It, it doesn't even feel the mother anymore thrown into, you know, ICU. That, that all just adds to the, to, to, to its shock. And it's, I guess the, 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 the the uh, the need to survive, you know, obviously overrides. And many people yes. think about the fact that ICU babies are very feisty, like they fight, yes. but they, they they go against the grade because yes. they realize, I guess, subconsciously that hello, this is a foreign world, and I've got to do whatever it takes to. Yes. to but then you also they turn into very difficult children. They can't latch. That you know that they can't digest. That there's a lot of reflux. Um, yes. And that is, you know, you're saying much connected to trying to release that fascia and, and bringing the baby back into equilibrium. Absolutely, absolutely. And that fighting spirit is amazing. You know, that's what's going to, the baby is going to survive. However, it's going to survive. Is it going to thrive? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So that's the thing. So fascia, that's such an early stage. Does that have, I mean, it obviously has long-term positive effects on the, on the child. Absolutely. You know, when I do a history, um, I, um, you know, I always take quite a long time to do a history because I go right back and it doesn't matter if the patient is 90 years old or, or nine or I always go back. 
How was your birth? You know, do you know? Were you natural? Were you Caesar? Were you, and it's the most fascinating things that come out of there. And, and, um, I know now even in psychology, they are really looking at what childhood trauma was experienced because we now know without a doubt that whatever childhood experience was experienced can influence and set the tone for chronic pain later. And that's, that's just a fact, you know, so interesting because, you know, babies again, you, you know, how do they communicate? They cry. And all we want to do, what do we want to do? We want to make, we want to quieten them down. We want to. So, so we're suppressing that all the time. Um, and just to understand that your baby could very likely be crying, not because it's hungry necessarily, but actually because it's in such a state of alarm. It's in such a state of survival that it can't even, you know, those are often the babies that just don't sleep. You know, drive the parents nuts and they say, that's it. Only child. Here we come. I'm not having another one of these. <laughs> so yeah. Good Lord makes you forget and you do it all over again. Um, absolutely <laughs> fascinating. And just for the listeners out there, I have firsthand seen, uh, one of my grandchildren being treated by, by, by Charmaine and it was absolutely crazy. And I was saying, should I give him the dummy and should I stop him from crying? And you said, no, let him cry to, to let it out. And when the process finished, he actually flopped open. I had never seen him like that. His hands were very much to his chest. His, his, his feet were very much, you know, drawn in. And by the time the process released itself, he was like lying there like, like on the beach waiting for a pina colada. It was absolutely fascinating. <laughs> this is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Got a few short minutes left. If you want to to wrap up and give a message to our listeners, what would that be, Shona? Yes, I think, sure, Adel. I think just just the awareness of the system that is there. You know, I often say to people, you know, knowledge is really power, isn't it? And understanding when you get in these symptoms that you're actually not losing the plot. You know, when the normal medication is just not helping you. Just consider that this cling wrap or baklava is actually really tight. Just just consider that and think, could this symptom be as a result of compression? You know, people that are battling to get rid of coughs at the moment, you know, the pleura, the, the entire area, as we said before, you know, around the rib cage and the lungs, the outside of the lung is very tight. It's not always in the inside. It's not always in the alveoli and the bronchus and all the rest of it. We are restricted. The cling wrap is tight. So be aware of that. Consider doing different exercises. Have a look. Even on the internet, there's, you know, on, on Google, there's incredible stuff, YouTube out there. I'm not saying please don't go to a medical professional or a craniosacral therapist or but but just have a look at what's out there and just see there might be a lovely little stretch that actually works for you. And breathing, 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 good breathing. And yeah, just 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 being aware of of what this could be. And then do try and see someone that could help you, a craniosacral therapist, a physiotherapist. Um, a craniosacral therapist. I know that you're inundated, so 
I'm sure after the show, like a hundred people are going to want to come your way and you're going to tense up. You're probably going to take the flight mode, right? And <laughs> leave the country. But let's give people options. Like where, where can they, they search for craniosacral therapists? So, so they can definitely go onto, um, cranial.org. And in fact, what I might do, what I will do is just give you a few addresses. I think that would be important. Yeah. The other thing that is very important, which I haven't spoken enough about is um, visceral work. You, you also get a lot of visceral therapists out there that are that may, might not be craniosacral therapists, but unbelievable with with these issues. And I will give you a website. Um, you can also Google visceral therapists, Burrell visceral therapists. But I will give that to you, and you can post it on your group. What I'm loving about the concepts of fascia and craniosacral is that there's a lot of emotion connected to the fascia. You know, you find that people with anxiety, people with, um, you know, emotions, someone that just can't stop crying, someone with depression, you know, we see in what you've said about the trauma and stuff actually being completely stuck. And by releasing that fascia, I mean, I don't know, you've probably seen quite amazing things, Charmaine, about people, you know, and like first start crying after a session. Oh, always. Emotional. There can be such emotional releases. And also I want to say it's not just about going to someone to fix you. Understand what's happening in your body. Take back your power. Don't just pop a pull. Do you know what I mean? Just understand what it is and, and look into it and under, you know, the breathe, the movement, you know, this, 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 this could change your life. Yeah. Absolutely. And on that note, we hope that healthy you, wealthy you is going to change your life. And we want to thank you, Charmaine, again, for your, um, incredible description and your love and your passion. Um, and certainly your gift that you have, um, as, as we've said. Myself and, and, uh, Faggy are recipients of your, of your healing power. And yes, and an encouragement to, to, to everybody that there is more to your health than just popping a pill and just becoming intuitive with your body goes mm. a long way. We hope that we have educated you in this way. Thank you again, Charmaine. Thank, Thank you, Charmaine. Thank you, Faggy. Oh, Wishing everybody my. a healthy week ahead. This is 101.9 Kha FM.